If you're new with us, my name is Pat Lassard. I get to be the executive pastor here. Uh, before we get into our message today, um, uh, our lead pastor, Scott Harris, wanted uh, me to make sure to take this time to lead our people spiritually through a recent tragedy uh, within our nation. Uh, yesterday morning, God cried. Yesterday morning, God cried. As a young man, uh, full uh, of deception, who is made in God's image and God's likeness, uh, destroyed 10 other people's lives in Buffalo, New York. He was white, they were black. They were also made in God's image and God's likeness. There's been over 190 mass shootings so far in 2022, meaning four people are killed or more, four people are shot or more, and this uh, so far has led this year in the highest uh, killing. God cries over that. God does not want us to hate. He, he actually wants us to hate only one thing, and that's evil. This was evil, this was sin. This is not what God has called us to. And I think it's pertinent what we're talking about today and, and what we've, in our study, how we've slowed down in the book of Ephesians to focus on spiritual warfare. We, we are in a war, we are in a battle, it's very real. We need to be mindful of that. We need to not be ignorant of that. We need to not be ambivalent of that. There are horrible things happening. That's not the only thing that's happening. I also heard 30,000 young people came together yesterday uh, to gather together for a conference to be sent out on God's mission. God is doing good things too, and we wanna pause as well in the suffering and tragedy of our fellow brothers and sisters. Let's not forget Jesus came as a minority. Jesus came and put on minority skin on. And so with our fellow brothers and sisters, we weep. And we say, that's not right. And we fight for something better, for something greater in Jesus's way. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Right now, we wanna pray. We wanna pray for this, this young man. We pray for our enemies. We pray for anyone who would be encouraged by this heinous act to do similar things. We wanna pray for this community. They were simply going to a grocery store Saturday morning. How many of you went to a grocery store Saturday morning? We wanna pray for them, brothers and sisters, grandmas, grandpas, kids that died, right? The community. So I'm just gonna lead us in a time of silence. Talk to God. Talk to God. Let's pray.
God, you call us to do justice, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. We pray for justice, Lord. You are just. We pray for mercy, Lord. You are merciful. We pray for humility. Thank you for your grand, amazing plan of restoring all things to yourselves. Jesus, thank you for your words that you, you promised, you told us, in this world we will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our hope is not in this world, our hope is in you. And we hang our hat on that, Lord, with our eyes fixed on you, through the good times and the bad times. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, if you're new with us, um, we have a preaching team that shares the load in preaching, and there's kind of four primary reasons we do that. Uh, number one, we, we don't have one person sh simply sharing the entire load of preaching. Uh, number two, those that are preaching have other gift sets to be able to minister and serve and connect with the people and be hands uh, hands on in ministry. Uh, number three, our people get to hear different voices and perspectives and experiences as they go about uh, preaching and teaching the word. And then number four, discipleship. As we get opportunity for others to come and be a part of this stage, we get to disciple them in the giftings and callings that God has given them. So if you're new with us, uh, know that. As, as we go in, you're gonna see different faces from week to week. And so I'm glad to be able to continue our study of Ephesians, the worthy walk. And uh, what we mean by the worthy walk is this is a, a walk of faith, a journey with God in relationship with other people, this spiritual journey. I have a couple pictures here uh, that reflect this walk at different times in different ways. So from top left, right, from top to bottom, okay? Sometimes this walk, this journey is dry. Dry, long, hot, hard. Amen? And then sometimes life opens up, spiritual life opens up and you're at this vista and it is illuminating, it is amazing, it is breathtaking what you are learning and seeing and understanding. It is uh, awesome. And other times on the corner right, it, you are on a razor's edge in obedience to God. You are taking big steps and big risks and there's huge cost there but it is exciting and exhilarating. Bottom left, it is sometimes slow and simple and fun and gradual and easy. The road is clear. It's 72 degrees outside with a gentle breeze and you get sand between your toes. It is a straight path, right? It is fun and simple. Other times, it's dark. It's dark it's hard, it's scary, it's confusing. God, where are you? Am I gonna make it through this? And other times, bottom right, it is what it is. There's lefts and rights, there's ups and downs, and you're on this road. Here you go. Can I get an amen? The worthy walk, it is worth, it is worth following Jesus in and through all the terrain that you come across because he is good. 
We're going to continue in reading Ephesians 6. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hands. Our ushers will bring you one. If you want to turn there to uh, Ephesians 6.10 right now, I'm going to read the passage that we're going to go through, and then we'll highlight uh, the feet, the gospel that we're talking about today in verse 15. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, that's today, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And this is God's word, amen? Amen, real, true, good. This passage in verse 15, um, I wanna just show you a couple different translations just to, that go about saying the same thing in a different way. Say so, uh, a couple translations here, we have what we're typically use, our ESV English Standard Version, version as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, NIV, and with NIV, I thought I had Holman Christian Standard Bible. And with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel, I must have sent you the wrong slide. That's okay. Let's look at the NIV. And with your feet fitted <laughs> with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then the Amplified. Amplified is a great translation, and it just kind of uses a magnifying glass on some significant words. It narrows in. And it just kind of broadens using some different uh, wording. So, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation, that is, to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Here we go. Here's a picture of shoes. There you go. That would be standard issue, ancient Roman soldier footwear. Notice, there's not crazy spikes on them to crush some enemy's skull or anything crazy, right? Spurs, they're kind of simple. They're something you'd kind of find today. You've got some tread on the bottom to help your uh, footing, and they secure your feet. Nothing too crazy, right? But it's not as much about the shoe as it is what's in the shoe here, you have a soldier that is ready for battle, prepared, ready to go. But without the shoes, you are not going to get very far. In order to be ready to go, every single one of you had to put your shoes on today, unless you're online. Then you don't, have to, you don't even have your shoes on right now. 
but you are not gonna get very far down that road. As we look at those, those paths, that terrain you have to traverse, the different seasons of this worthy walk, you are not gonna get very far. Have you ever walked on hot sand or rocks or pavement or something sharp and regretted not being ready? You're not gonna get very far down this road. And then at the end of this life, at the end of this journey, if you don't have these shoes on, you're going to regret not having put these shoes on. The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. In this walk, this journey, this life, you will want to be ready to go. Be ready to go. What does it look like to be ready to go? It looks like being alert. It looks like being aware, not ambivalent, not short-sighted, not ignorant. It looks like being aware. In other words, put your dukes up. Put your dukes up. You're ready, because if you have your dukes down, you're gonna get pummeled. You are gonna get hurt. You are going to pay. You need to be aware. You need to be mindful. You need to guard what's most important. You need to be ready because you are in a war. Don't overlook that fact. This is a spiritual battle. It's very present. Now, this gospel has some truths that are attached to it, and I want to walk through a series of them that they are really important and tied to the, tru- uh, tied to the gospel, these truths. Like, life is temporary. Life is temporary. I know the majority of us don't like hearing this or thinking about this, but you are going to die. Know that. Don't avoid that fact. You are going to die. And with death in mind, it is inevitable, right? That changes how we live today. With death in view, How are you to live this worthy walk? There is, according to the author of life, heaven to be forever with God and hell to be forever separated from God. Real, eternal destinations forever. You are going to die. That's a real truth attached to the gospel of peace. That's part of our awareness. Life is also spiritual, is not just physical, right? There is more than what we can just see. There is a lot more to life than what we can just feel. Life is spiritual as well. There's a lot more going on than what we can just see. Life is also a testing ground, it's a test. God is looking for faithful. God is looking for people full of faith, those that will trust him, those that will follow him, those that he has said this, will you do this? I have made it clear what my will is, what my desire is, what my thoughts are, what my heart is. Will you follow me? Will you trust me? Life is a test. Another truth is that you need to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You you have an enemy. 
You have an enemy that is against you. His name is literally the adversary. He, he is an adversary to you. Now, some people are too aware of him, and some people aren't aware enough about him. And there's a healthy awareness we need to know. You're not alone. There is an enemy that wages war against your soul. And you're not alone because God didn't design you, brother or sister, to do this life alone. You have a garrison. You have a platoon. You have brothers and sisters waging this warfare with you. You are not meant to do this life alone. That is one of the many reasons why God designed the church in the first place. If you're doing this alone, you're doing it wrong. You, you need brothers and sisters. You need to let others in. You need to give of yourself to invest in others. It's how God designed it. Because another truth is you are made to be active. You are made to be active. You are made to passionately pursue Jesus. You are made to radically love one another. You are made to compassionately serve your neighbors. You are made to relationally disciple all people. Every single one of you, not to passively consume. You are made to be active in your faith. Another truth is your greatest problems were solved on the cross. In the view of all your problems, that I got a lot, you got a lot, we got a lot, right? Life is full of problems. You're in view of your greatest problems. God solved your greatest problems on the cross. Satan, sin, and death were defeated by Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. That's your greatest problem. And then lastly, the truth is God knows your needs, and the cross is perfect evidence of it. God knows your needs far better than you. Amen? It's a lot of truth packed into the gospel of peace, right? Be aware, put your dukes up. All these things are happening at the same time, right? The gospel of peace. Be ready to go. I love what Ephesians 2, as we read weeks ago, what Ephesians 2 says about this gospel. And I want to start in verse 12, and I'm going to skip a couple verses and then go to 17. Ephesians 2, 12, remember, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ. Before knowing Jesus, you are separated from him. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. Having no hope, no hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our, what? He himself is our peace. For who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh? Oh, yeah, this is where I was going to skip here. To verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access, access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens and the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? The gospel did that. We were once far off, but then we've been brought near because of Jesus. 
right? He himself is our peace, this gospel of peace. It's important for us to know what this gospel is, right? What the gospel is. And it may be rudimentary, and it's really important. It may be fundamental. It may be simple. It's really important. May we never forget this, okay? I'm just going to walk through the gospel real quick, just a little refresher. Maybe it's new for you. Maybe it's old hat for you. You have sin. God doesn't. Your sin deserves punishment. Insert Jesus. And then you are saved from things like sin, but you are saved for things too, like restoration and reconciliation, hope, meaning, purpose, God's glory, right? You have sin. You've been made in God's image and God's likeness, and you have not lived up to that standard perfectly. Neither have I. Every one of us has fallen short of that perfect standard. We missed the mark, and we sinned. God is perfect and holy and just. No one else compares. He's completely other. No one else like him. And our sin, that creates a separation between the two of us, that difference, right? And our sin deserves punishment. As we stand before our creator, he is just. And those wrongs, he is just. We have to answer about those things. Insert Jesus. Amen? He was beat up for you so that you don't have to be beat up to the point of death. And then so we were saved from our sin and Satan and death, but we were saved for life and meaning and purpose and hope and restoration. And that's the point. God is on this restoration plan ever since Genesis 2. He's bringing this restoration to Revelation 21. Everything else between the rest of the bookends of the Bible, those first two chapters, those last two chapters, is this restoration process of God restoring all things to himself. The gospel of peace. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So we, you, me, are to be ready with this gospel of peace because we're living in a wartime. We're living in wartime. The gospel of peace is a weapon of war. Maybe you never thought of it this way, but the gospel of peace is a weapon of war. It's amazing because it's powerful and it cuts through a lot of the enemy's tactics and a lot of the enemy's weapons. The gospel of peace destroys fear and insecurity and condemnation. When you believed like I have believed at, li at times lies that I was too much of a sinner, I could not come to God, and he would not accept me because I made too many mistakes. That was a lie. When I continue to beat myself up for sins, when you beat yourself up for sins versus trusting the blood of Jesus, the gospel of peace cuts through and demolishes and destroys those arguments. And it cuts through and it penetrates those lies. And it destroys those lies. The gospel of peace destroys fear and insecurity and condemnation. The gospel of peace cuts through schemes and temptation and deception. Because there's a lot more going on. And it's because of the gospel you've been enlightened. And so you're able to see through, oh, that looks really good. But you know 
There's an enemy that is waging war against your soul. You are not alone. And he is good at what he does. And he's just trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you're able to see past those deceptions, those temptations, those schemes of the enemy. And you're able to choose Jesus' way. And it cuts through and demolishes those because the gospel of peace is a weapon of war. Made for wartime. And the gospel of peace demolishes division and strife and conflict because you yourself know when you find yourself in conflict, you're a sinner first. And you've been sinned against second. Keep that order right, right? When we mix that up and it's about you and you're the sinner and you're the sinner versus I know I've made mistakes too, and I need mercy too, and I need forgiveness too. When we choose Jesus' way, the gospel of peace cuts through strife, cuts through conflict, because we're able to enter into Jesus' way. When we enter into others' conflicts, we're able to help bring peace through truths of the gospel. It's made, it's a weapon of wartime. So how are we to go about wielding these awesome shoes? These are amazing shoes. Nothing else like in your closet. It's Jesus' way, and it says it perfectly in Romans 12, 21. I love this verse. It cuts through so much. Do not be overcome by evil. Rather, overcome evil by... Everybody say this with me from the beginning. Do not... Overcome by evil, but be overcome. I'm sorry, I'm messing you all up. <laughs> I'll do better this time. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the Jesus way. That's the Jesus way. We follow him in example. Acts of peace multiply peace. As we choose Jesus' way, there's things that we can do in following Jesus in this worthy walk that multiply peace in others, multiply peace in ourselves, multiply peace in situations that we face. I wanna give you four, it's not an exhaustive list, it's just some. When we choose unity, unity multiplies peace. And Satan hates these things, know that. When you choose unity, Satan hates it when you choose unity. Satan hates it when you choose to fight for relationship. He hates it when you choose to be patient in other people's imperfections. When you choose to bring about reconciliation in a situation, Satan hates it. He hates it so much. But when we choose Jesus' way, it multiplies in others' lives when we choose to reconcile through unity. Ephesians 4 1, uh, 4, 1 through 3 says it. Unity in the spirit of bond of peace. As we choose unity, it multiplies peace. As we find common ground with one another in the midst of a conflict, and we find ourselves, we're not that far off or we have more in common than we do different. Satan also hates it when you choose humility because humility multiplies peace. When you let others go first, 
when you let others speak first, when you let others take the lead, when you humble yourself, when you submit to others who are in authority. Satan hates that stuff because humility multiplies peace. It's Jesus' way. When you admit your wrongs, oh my goodness, Satan hates it when you admit your wrongs. He'd rather for you to hold on to that and keep that in the dark. Continue to puff yourself up. That's what he loves. And then forgiveness. Satan hates it when you forgive. Satan hates it when you forgive. Because forgiveness multiplies peace. As you accept Jesus' forgiveness for yourself, that you say Jesus' blood is sufficient, and you say, I'm not gonna beat myself up anymore because Jesus, you're not. You're not beating me up anymore. Paid in full. Satan hates that. There's not a lot of things he hates more than that. When you accept God's grace and his mercy, and then you forgive other people as you yourself have been forgiven, Colossians 3.13, as you yourself have been forgiven, you forgive others. Satan hates that. And you say, I count it paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. What, what they owe me, the wrong they did to me, I consider it paid in full. I forgive them, God. And that doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. There's a lot of dynamics in that. We are called to forgive. We are called to forgive, paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you ask for forgiveness, when you yourself have made mistakes and you actually go in faith, in courage, in hope, in forgiveness to ask for forgiveness, it multiplies peace, amen? Anyone's lives changed by someone coming to you and asking for forgiveness? Anyone's life changed by going to someone and asking for forgiveness? Multiplies peace. And then lastly, repentance. Repentance multiplies peace. Satan hates it when you repent. Now there's the big sins that require a equal amount of repentance. As, as big as, as grievous as your sin is, your repentance should match that. that. That is like a principle of repentance. But that happens once in a while, but that's not every day. That's not every day for me. But what should be every day for me? And I'm very careful in the wor using the word should. What should be normal, what should be regular, is small repentance. Repentance is not a bad word. It's actually a glorious word. It's God's word. It's a beautiful word. It should be a simple, normal thing for us. We make it out to be, and it has been made out to be this big, scary thing. But repentance simply means a change of mind. You realize you're being selfish here. You have a conversation with the Lord about that. God, help me not think that way. You realize you are lusting, and that takes a lot of different shape. Every single men and women lust for more. You realize that? You're convicted that that truth has been revealed as the Spirit leads you to all truth. The Spirit leads you to that. 
you shift your mind to Christ's mind, to Christ's heart. You're mistreating someone. You didn't go back and clean up a mess you made, right? Repentance is you change that mind. It's a simple conversation with the Lord. God, forgive me for that. God, help me with that. That's repentance. It should be a normal thing. We should be repenting all the time in those conversations with the Lord, is in our pursuit of Jesus. And Satan hates it when we do that. Acts of peace multiply peace. We are called, are your shoes on, brother, sister? Are your shoes on? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Because this gospel of peace is a weapon for war. And as you walk, as you do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with Jesus' way, what you do there, it multiplies in others' lives. It is contagious. You think COVID is contagious? Jesus' way is contagious, far more contagious, in a much better world-transforming way. Amen? Are your shoes on? Are you ready to go? Are you carrying Jesus with you? You got your dukes up. You're mindful. This, you're in it, right? You're not alone. There's a lot of things going on. And he's called you for such a time as this in the influences that you have and the relationships that you have and the opportunities that you have. Even in this gathering, this is a gathering of rallying the troops for encouragement and inspiration and challenge and correction, right? We, the saints gather together on the Lord's Day as they have throughout uh, history for the Christian church. And then we go, and then we go be stay-at-home moms and bosses and blue-collar workers and white-collar workers, and we work within the field that God has called us to as husbands and wives and kids and friends and neighborhoods, then we go. We go out into the world. We go out into our neighborhood. We go out with the influence we have. With these shoes on, we go out into battle. In Jesus' way, we carry out his mission. Are your shoes on? Are your shoes on? As you choose peace, you multiply peace. Are you multiplying peace? Here's some questions for you here as we wrap this up. What's your next step? What's your next step? This is a big question. This is a hard question, okay? Are you multiplying peace or are you creating problems? Are you multiplying more peace than problems? Or are you multiplying problems? If you find yourself on the latter part, which sometimes in life we might be, sometimes in our immaturity we might be, are you going back and cleaning them up? Are you going back and making things right? Next question here. Are you keeping your dukes up? Or do you got your dukes down? And you're casually consuming, nice and distracted. And then lastly, 
what's broken in your life and in need of restoration? That word restoration means peace, wholeness, shalom. What's broken in your life? And in need of restoration. And then from that, what, what's Jesus' way in that? What's Jesus' way through that? What has he already said about that? What is he saying to you about that? I'm just going to lead us in a moment of prayer. Take a moment to take these things to the Lord. What's he stirring up in your heart? What's he bringing to mind? God is amazing. God is amazing. God is good. And he's given us solid footing by the gospel of peace, his weapon of war. Let's bless his name. Would you stand up and sing with me? Worthy of every song we could ever sing, Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, Lord. Amen. Let's praise him.